This week, we sit down for a conversation with our special guest, interior designer, Lindsay Borchard. Lindsay talks about running her company, Lindsay Brook Design, and how taking prudent risks helped her overcome her fears. She also offered ways to maintain creative bandwidth, how she found her design tribe, and why she partnered with the Identity Collective to launch Design Camp. We loved Lindsay's thoughts on using vulnerability to create trust, how she chooses her vendors and suppliers, and what she does to prepare clients for mistakes and problems. Bear with us because our ending may seem a little abrupt this week due to an audio recording issue. And we'd love it if you would head over to hotyoungdesignersclub.com and sign up for our newsletter so we can bring you exclusive content and tips. Let's do this. Hi, I'm Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. We are thrilled to welcome our guest today, interior designer Lindsay Borchard. She started her company, Lindsay Brook Design, in 2016 out of her spare bedroom of her home. She is based in Southern California and over the last few years has grown to serve clients all over the U.S. Lindsay gives back to the design community through her Monday mentor sessions on Instagram stories. And last year launched Design Camp, a strategic retreat for designers with Anastasia of the Identity Collective. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) We're stoked to have you with us today. Thank you. Of course, of course. We always like to start with guests with just a little bit of background about how they started their company and kind of where, where the idea to start that came from. Can you illuminate a little bit for us? Yeah. So I, um, I mean, gosh, how far back do you want to go? I, I'll, I'll do the short version of like back history. I always knew in high school, I wanted to do something creative. So I was like, uh, you know, did the costumes in the theater and was in art classes and um, was taking college art classes in high school. And so I always knew I was going to go to a trade school of some sort was like, I'm not taking the SATs. We're doing this. It was either going to be photography, fashion or interiors. And I ended up going into fashion, um, into product development. So I started there and ended up through college and um, kind of all my jobs in college. It led me to um, in working in an interior design um, uh not firm, but uh, Rachel Ashwell Shabby Chic. So they produced um, products, they had storefronts, and I was a part of the wholesale division. So I um, really got to be into the interior design firms, into the retail locations, setting up their displays, and I just fell in love with it. And obviously, if you know my work, Rachel, uh, you know, Shabby Chic is not my style, but it just opened up this like whole life to me that I just never knew about. And so it was always 
uh, I kind of felt at that time, this is in 2008, and I kind of felt at that time like, oh, I, I found like something that I really, really love and that I want to like pursue. And then obviously uh, the market crashed and everyone, you know, the recession happened and she had to close a bunch of stores and um, get rid of her wholesale division. And at that point, um, I had just gotten married or was getting married and decided, well, to start a family. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and, you know, we'll just kind of use this time, at, you know, to start that. And then as I was a stay-at-home mom, I realized, I, you know, this is just not what I thought it was going to be. And I, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, I just didn't realize how much I needed to have creativity in my life w until it was gone, you know? Um, and I, one of my best friends is a therapist and she was like, you need to just start like an Instagram page or a blog. I think she actually said a blog and I was like, I can't start a blog. Like I'm not a blogger. I don't have the photography skills to be a blogger. Um, and so I did it and I did the Instagram page kind of with it and it snowballed from there. I mean, I was just kind of showing places in my own home and she had bought a house. I had started doing my girlfriends, you know, would come over and have play dates and be like, Oh, can you come to our playroom? Can you do our bedroom? And that's how it started. I mean, it kind of just started as the side business, not I, and, and I don't want to say like, I never thought of having an interior design business, but it never came across my mind until I was almost already started, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, um, as I was growing it, I was getting so many, um, messages on Instagram about, uh, e-design. I had no idea what e-design was. I, uh, had to like Google it and I just kind of started doing things and then it just snowballed from there. So there came a point where it was, you know, I had a babysitter for like two days and I was getting enough work to where I could probably do this full time. And that's when I had the conversation with my husband of like, okay, do we do this or do we not do this? Because I'm not the type of person that just tries to do this on the side and half ass it. Like it was either all in or it was going to stay a hobby. And we decided to give it a shot. So we just went all in and kind of the short version, you know, we just started getting more clients and more clients and more clients. And here we are four years later. That's four years ago only. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started, I started the, it was like the summer of 2016. No. I started the blog about a year or so, maybe two years prior. Mm -hmm. And then I got pregnant with my second and I have really rough pregnancies. So I stopped doing everything when I was pregnant. And then after I had my second, I started it back up. And that's when I really, that was in 2016. Um, my son was about like six months old and I was like, I gotta do something. And so uh, we just started getting more and more people. I say we, but it was me at the time. Um, yeah. And I was just winging it, like had no idea, had no systems in place, like was just going to Target and home goods and filling up homes and, um, 
and then, you know, it was just like, okay, we're going to do some decor stuff. And then the next client was, I want you to redo my fireplace. And then the next was a whole room. And then the next one was like two rooms. And then it was three rooms. And it really gradually climbed, um, as far as my clients go, uh, in a very natural way, in a very organic way. And that's, that's kind of how I've treated this business um, ever since is I've been really not pushing something that I didn't feel would organically happen, if that makes sense. Um, and right. But it also seems like your business has, like, you haven't been afraid to pivot when there's mm -hmm. an opportunity or need, like you're yeah. not trying to just like keep your eye on this prize of a goal when it doesn't make sense anymore from what I've mm -hmm. listened to you in your mentor sessions and sounds like if you see a chance where it's just it's not working anymore whether it's working from your home inventory in your garage or whatever yeah. it is like okay it's time to pivot let's take a bigger risk or let's pull back which it sounds like maybe is kind of what's happening now yeah I mean my I grew up with uh, my parents and a few other people in my family being entrepreneurs so I I really think that it's just, I've seen it throughout my whole life of my parents owning tons of businesses from flower shops to ceramic stores to a mm. uh, oil company. So it's like refrigeration. I mean, they've done it all. So I've seen my parents reinvent themselves and pivot when something's not working. And I think I get that from them. I think I, I'm not so afraid of taking risks because I think see the, I've seen the payoff throughout my whole life of, of what a risk can, can mean. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out, but I would say more than oftentimes in some way there is a reward for taking a risk, whether that's learning something, if it fails or, you know, having success from taking that risk, whatever, whatever it is. And when I say risk, it can be something so small. It doesn't have to be these like big giant leaps and bounds for your business. You're not mortgaging just, your house every time. Right. Like, I think that, like, you know, it could just be small little steps that, that if you feel very uneasy about it, you go like, oh, I just don't know. That's when I usually say we've got to try it, uh, whatever it is. So I think that, yes, the risks, taking risks are, I, I, I really feel like essential to succeeding. Do you find it's part of your motivation too? Like, do you get a little, I know I do, so I'm just projecting, but do you get a little charge out of it? Um, yes and no. I think I'm more, I definitely like the challenge of it. I, and I definitely like trying new things. I, um, I, I think now I'm more, I, I, how do I say this? I think back then, even two years ago, I was way more scared of taking risks because I just didn't have the confidence so much. Like really the last two years, I've, I've gained so much confidence as a business woman, not just a designer, but as a business person. Um, and just feel like I have so much more under my belt. And it really, it really is true when you gain that experience of being in the field and going through and learning your mistakes, you just gain so much information and you learn so much and you grow so much. So I think now taking the risks is not as scary to me because 
I've done it and I've seen the outcome of what can happen. And so you're now I kind of like the rest. Like you're building yeah. trust in yourself, I think. And you're, it's like a muscle of like, okay, I know I can figure it, things out. If things go yeah. south, I've now had enough experience to know one way or another, we're going to problem solve this. Yeah. And I don't rush into the risk. So those, that I think is what helps me uh, say yes a lot more is that it's, it's thought out. It's, I'm not making decisions on emotion. I'm not, um, I'm making thought out planned decisions that can be very risky, but, um, I'm not just doing it on a whim too, if that makes sense. You're talking to like my, uh, past life as a banker spirit animal right now, where it's like, taking prudent risk, thinking about the obstacles, knowing what you're getting into, but still being able to like share the excitement of a new challenge and a new opportunity. And I had a past mentor who speaks like similarly to the way that you're, you're talking about now, which her kind of go-to was the moment you feel comfortable, it's time to do something different because you've mm -hmm. already you're, you're already good at that. And then we risk mm -hmm. stagnation, which particularly in design and, and running our businesses is sort of like the, the killing stroke for people of if we don't keep pushing ourselves forward to try something new or different or learning something new in, in the way we run our businesses, then we're going to get left behind by all of the innovation. And I feel like it's constant in the design industry that every time you feel like you got up to speed, there's new new platforms coming there's new people coming mm -hmm. yeah and i think we just have yeah. to keep moving with the tide yeah i mean i totally agree, agree with that because every time i feel like i put a process into place i either have a, a you know an experience with a client that makes me want to change that for the good or bad um, or I've seen, you know, a designer who have, or I've talked to a friend that I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I should, that, that sounds a little better. I'll change that up. But I think that, um, if you keep like your core values, your core kind of like overall, uh, values of your company, the same throughout, you can pivot and change and take risks and not, and, and still be in kind of a good position because at the end of it like you still have your core values like your business is still at the core the same it always has been um have you spelled those think, out like do you have a written mission statement and core values just out of curiosity um i you know i don't have a written out mission statement which is something that i this year actually wanted to work on um we have some core values in our company that we, whenever we have a problem or whenever we have new clients come on, like it's, it's kind of always the same, which is, you know, number one is we want to make beautiful, you know, designs, but functional designs. So we are always trying to, no matter what, um, keep that in the back of our mind. And, um, we always try to really listen to our clients. It's a collaborative effort. We are never, um, even when clients come and say like, oh, you can do what you want. It's not, that. that is not how we roll. That's not our process. <laughs> um, so it's a collaborative effort. 
Um, we have everyone involved on our team involved in every aspect in some way. So they're all in the loop. It's a small boutique firm. We want to stay that way. Um, we want it to feel very um, family owned and, uh, and, and work with local artists and local tradespeople as much as we can. So we have some core values that that we carry throughout, but I definitely think we need a mission statement to like just put that out on on a piece of paper for sure. So it's something that we're hoping to work on uh, this year. Slowly, I'm asking. You always slowly. have something. It's last on my list. Yeah, it's on always. my list. I like how you talked about like family, because it's not necessarily that everybody in your team has to be your literal like blood family in order to mm -hmm. understand that atmosphere of a family-owned company where a lot of it is about personal account personal accountability um mm -hmm. being able to level with people on a really compassionate level especially in our business that when emotions can run high during some of our projects with clients mm -hmm. um how many people are in your team right now um we have three people working here, including myself. So it's not a big team. That's our, our core employees, but we have, you know, a, a wider net of team mates that include the identity collective and include um, our photographer that we work with and include um, our graphic designer that we work with. So, uh, you know, I, I personally like to say we have about six core people that we're working with all the time, month after month. Um, but some of those people are not employees of Lindsay Brook Design. Right. But they know how to represent you and your company when they're in a yes. client's home or involved in a project or what your yeah. company is trying to do. Like if it's your graphics team, they, they know your, you and your company. So they're still an yes. extension of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, there we we like to call them a part of our team we couldn't do the work that we're doing without them i couldn't run my business as efficient without them so they're just as important as anyone who's on the lbd payroll totally i like the way yeah. that's structured yeah i'm i'm on my own but they're still <laughs> i'm not doing my web development or my graphics or and it's not rebecca and i have talked about this it's not because i don't it's not because I couldn't have the skill to figure it out. Cause I think so many of us who are entrepreneurs, we will, if you give us the challenge, we'll find a way to do all that. But it, it sometimes it becomes down to, okay, I'm giving up working on things I really want to do. And there's obviously someone who could do this better or faster, mm -hmm. or in the long run, it becomes a value trade-off of, I get so much more in exchange, even if I do have to pay this other party to help my company they're they're giving me extra time back to work on things or they're letting me sleep at night a few extra hours which is important I feel, i'm yeah, feeling that and, yeah but also <laughs> like everything is is creative right so even putting your social media calendar and that content that is taking up creative energy doing a graphic is is taking up creative energy putting putting your um Sorry, like a call or calls. Um, putting together, um, uh, what was it say? Graphics, your website, all of that takes creative energy. And if I'm working on two or three projects 
you know, a client's design, I have like no left, you know, to put into even putting together social media content, you know? Um, and, and I just feel like if you spread yourself too thin that way, then there's always going to be one area that doesn't get the best of you, you know? So if I've been working on design all day and then I have to put, you know, I go, okay, and I'm going to work on my social media calendar at night. Well, my energy is depleted and I'm probably going to half-ass that. And that's a really important tool that you really shouldn't half-ass it. So I give it to a professional who who puts their best creativity and their best creative energy into that for me. How how does your relationship? Go ahead. ahead. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. (laughs) You guys are so sweet. Oh, gosh. We have our moments. <laughs> we're like we're still we're still design spouses, right? So <laughs> we're still kind of in the honeymoon phase. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that'll end up as the outtake. Watch <laughs> the end at the very end of every episode after the final credit rolls. She always surprises at, Rebecca surprised me with like a snippet that didn't make it into the yeah, whole episode. I love it. Anyway, but. Um, can you, there's a little bit of mystery around what Identity Collective does. Um, we, can you let us behind the curtain a little bit about everything they do for you? I know that there are various services they offer, but how are they helping you and what are they doing for you? Yeah. So we started working with her, um, I think in July, it'll be two years. Um, it came a point in my business where I was, you know, still at that time had a two and a four year old at home and was ramping up my business really well on my own. And I didn't have, um, I, I, in, in the summer of whatever year that was, I had hired, um, I hadn't hired anyone yet. So it was just me. And so I was just getting super burnt out and I was working at home and because my kids weren't in like school yet, they were, it was kind of like how it is now, right? They're like not at school, they're at home, they're bugging me. I'm trying to work, trying to get all this done. Um, and it came to a point where I was like, I'm not going to be able to do all of this anymore, especially if I want to get more business. Like this is just not going to work. And I would take like week long breaks, two week breaks from Instagram because I just didn't have the energy to post anything. And it was becoming very inconsistent. And I was getting at that time, a lot of referrals from Instagram. So I felt like, okay, I need to put my energy into this. But, um, and I had been kind of thinking about this for a year. It, 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 because my business started from Instagram, it was very hard for me to want to hand that off to just anyone. And I had reached out to a few other people before and, you know, people will slide into your DMs being like, oh, we manage social media or, you know, send emails and this and that. But I just felt like it was super important for someone to have a similar voice to me. And at that time I was not doing Monday mentor sessions, but I was still really actively talking to the industry and the community and that was starting to build. And I had found Anastasia on Instagram and just really loved the way that she talked to um, 
you know, how she, how she used her platform to reach people and the words that she was using was very similar to mine. Um, and so I don't even know if she was really like full on offering social media at that point. I think she might've may have mentioned something, but I reached out to her and said, you know, I don't need any branding and any branding or website stuff. I really just need social media and marketing help. And we had, I think a one or two hour conversation. Um, we really got to know each other. I told her pretty much just like my biggest concerns and um, how I really wanted to, you know, not lose my voice in this. And we just clicked. Like it just, we were talking about, you know, not necessarily business all the time or family life, what we like, like what was going on in, you know, our own businesses at that time. Um, it just felt really natural. And I led with my gut and my gut was saying, go with her, start using her. So she also has I a really started, high taste level, which I think is kind of rare in the industry. Not rare, but it can be rare in the industry of marketing to yes. creatives. Like, yes. It's not salesy. It's not slick. It's not. Yeah. Well, and, she and it has doesn't a feel sterile. Too. Yeah. I mean, her, I, I, you know, her story is that she, you know, she really knew that she wanted to work with interior designers and it was a very smart move for her to just focus in on kind of one industry, really learn the industry um, and cater to that industry. And so I think that helps her in a lot of ways, um, you know, when she first started. And so um, I, you know, I don't know if I was her first client, but I know I was one from the very beginning as far as social media goes. So she um, just started off doing our Instagram um, and slowly as we started building and started seeing results and uh, we started adding things. So she would do story slides and she would do our blog posts. Um, so as I was getting busier, I started handing off more to her. So she kind of creates um, it's a unique situation because there are things that she does for me that I know she doesn't uh, do for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but for us, she pretty much handles all of our marketing. So um, she will do blog posts for us. She will do a Pinterest. She will do, um, she was doing Facebook for a little bit. I don't think we're doing, I think we're just putting like our Instagram on Facebook. Um, she's doing Facebook. She's doing the story slides. Um, we were doing like all the favorites and um, she helped me kind of um, fine tune Monday mentors and um, kind of come up with the, the way that we structure it. Um, and we've gone back and forth from doing it live to doing it just on stories to doing it in a newsletter. Like we've, <laughs> that's a lot of her effort too of saying, okay, this is, I think we should try it this way. Um, when we have a new project, she, puts together that whole package of how we're going to roll that out. If we are going to be in a publication, she talks about how we're going to uh, roll out that publication. Or if we have some, you know, really, you know, exciting thing going on, um, she helps put all that kind of marketing, those marketing packages together for us. Um, so she's been, you know, just amazing for our growth. Uh, especially since we get a lot of our business, I would say about 90% of our new business comes from Instagram. That's, That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. And then how did you guys pivot into design camp? So when we first met, 
which was at Vegas Market. We were both speaking on an Ivy panel and it was our first time meeting in person about like six months after we had been working together. So we were friendly, but like we had never met. And we, um, I, I don't remember which day, but we decided to go um, get drinks and we ended up like, I don't even know what hotel, but like some lobby bar at a hotel until like midnight or 1 a.m. just talking about everything. And I had said something at this point, I had been doing Monday mentor. So we were getting like a lot of traction with it. And I was saying like, I wish I could do like Monday mentor on a grander scale. Like, how can we like, how can I do something like this? Like, I'm like, I would love to do a retreat. And she's like, Oh my God, my dream is to do a retreat. <laughs> and so I was like, well, what? we should do it. Like we should make it a goal to do it, you know, within a year. And, um, I think, I think that October is when we announced design camp. So we kind of spent, she, there was a few things. There was a, there was a client of hers in, I can't remember, like Minnesota or Wisconsin. I can't remember, but she has like a cabin. We were thinking about doing it there. And then, um, she was working with the way back and she's like, this place is perfect. And I came out and saw it and I'm like, we, sh we need to do this here. So we kind so of created, pretty. yeah, it's the, the way back in Austin is like just the most magical place. Um, it was the perfect setting. It's just this like small little boutique hotel. I mean, we had the whole place and it really is this hybrid of like being in a cute hotel and camping. So mm -hmm. it just made sense for us to do it there. It was great because obviously Anastasia lives there. So it could be a great home base. And then we just started planning out like what we wanted to do and how we wanted it to look. And it um, went from there. So uh, it was, it was such a great experience. And I think that when, um, when we did it in February, it was, like, I don't think we realized how much it would really affect us um, and how it was, it was like, like so emotional. Mm. Oh, it was so emotional. I mean, like we, and I don't think we realized how emotional it would be for people attending. Like the, mm. that first week I cried so much. Like we both just cried every time we talked about something. It, it was like therapy for everyone was opening up about their their feelings about insecurities or their failures or maybe their husband's not supporting them or their family not supporting them or feeling like they're not good enough and it was this like group of women just lifting each other up and giving them support where sometimes they didn't have it and mm -hmm. that was like so much bigger than what we ever thought or planned for. And I think that when we decided, you know, our, our first thing, when we decided to do this, we were like, we have to keep it small. We have to keep it small enough to where they can manage relationships with every single person. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. 20 people is still too big for that. So when you have 20 people, 25 people, you still are going into clicks. You're still not connecting with everyone. And we wanted you to connect with everyone. Mm -hmm. So we felt like, very true, you know, I think it's 12 people, 14 people that come um, and they literally walk away with this support system in place. Um, and that's what we didn't really think would happen. We always wanted it, you know, for me, I was like, I want it to be like a mastermind. I kept saying it needs to be a mastermind where 
they can, we give them the tools, we talk about what works with us, and then they can create their own group outside of this. And we were seeing that the first week, like the, there's this one cabin that's a private cabin, but it, it's kind of the bigger one that has like a balcony, um, like a little patio and a kitchenette. And the first night, the girl who was staying in there invited everyone back into her cabin and they put a spreadsheet together of all their vendors that they like and who they didn't like and all their contact information and um, they share, you know, worksheets with each other or whatever it is. But um, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And I still get people and the second week of ladies were that way too. But I think I had cried so much the first week that I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't you got it all out. Chanel, the sec I got, you I weren't got recovered it from out. it yet. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> so um, I think I only cried once or twice the second week, but the, the girls, they were the same. They connected and bonded. And, um, you know, I get messages all the time of like, you know, we were talking on our group thread, our group chat, and we were wondering this. And I just love that they're still like communicating with each other. They still have a group chat going on and it's a I place where it's... they can go ask those stupid questions that you're like, I wish I had somebody to ask a stupid question to. Totally. And I think as like solopreneurs, I mean, this is what Sean and I have together. And I have a couple other mastermind groups, service-based businesses. They're not necessarily designers, but it's been so, so helpful to find people that you can be completely candid with, talk about money that no one ever talks about Mm -hmm. publicly like super like intimate business things that mm-hmm. you need to ask, like, how do you do this form? Tell me how you actually built, like create your proposals. Like I want to see new ideas yeah. and to be really sh- like open and sharing like everything is so helpful and to not consider it competition and like, yeah, I keep think it under your collar. Really- <laughs> Yes, my under, new under phrase, your hat. under my collar. <laughs> under your collar, yeah. I think that, um, you know, for me, when I first safe. started, I, yeah, I reached out to a lot of designers and some designers wouldn't really talk to me and other designers are super open with me. And, and those designers are still very, very good friends and people that I go to, to this day to, um, to ask those questions about um, employees, about um you know, uh, money about, uh, how to bid a project. Like those mm-hmm. are the type of things that, you know, I have found so helpful for me, especially in the very beginning when I really didn't know anything, you know? Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to, you have to share every single thing of yours. It just means that you have to be open to have communication and have a dialogue with someone. So I don't, you know, I have so many people that always ask, can I have a copy of your contract? I don't give out copies of my contracts. There are a few people, designers, who have been with me for a long time who we share things back and forth. It's a trade. I will show her something of mine. She will show me something of hers. And it's this mutual, you know, kind of thing of we're going to help each other out because we just don't feel that way. But we don't feel any competition, you know. Right. But and I don't, I don't just send out copies of my contract no. to everyone, you know, but to have but that I, intimate trusted people, relationship. Yeah. yeah. But I talk to people about my contract. I talk to people about what should be in your contract and yeah. what yeah. you should be doing, but there, there is 
a, there is a different level. It's like, you're, you know, just like when you have a spouse, there's certain things that you talk to your spouse about that you're not going to talk to your, even your, your siblings about, or your best friends about, and there's things that you're going to talk to your best friends about that you don't talk to your spouse, kind of like that. So, uh, I, you know, uh, you just interviewed Jenny and Jenny is a very dear friend of mine. And she's one of those people that I talk to and go to because I can't go to my husband. He's not going to understand. Like he don't get it. He he doesn't get it. He's not going to be able to give me the best advice. And I can, I can go to her. I can show her this bid. I can say, please look over this. Does this look good? What would you do? Have you had projects like this? You know, what, you know, and it's been, it's been a priceless tool to have, but it's, it's, um, I I almost want to be like, it should be required in business, like whatever business you have, right. You need to have some people that you can go to. Like your sounding board. Like it's like the circle, like you have radiuses of trust. Like it starts Mm -hmm. with people in your home and then there's a next intimate level that they could just knock on your door and walk in. And then there's the next level. and, And like, it helps to fill each of those rings with different levels of people that you can share information with. Yeah, the scary part. That's the scary part, right? It's like opening, opening that door. And if you want to have those relationships, like between you and Jenny, someone has to first rip off that bandaid and, and say, are you open to this? I'm having trouble with this. I don't know how to handle this. And that's really vulnerable. Can I trust you with this information? It's, Mm -hmm. and you have to, will you give me some of your trusted information? (laughs) That's like the leap of faith. Mm -hmm. You have to say, I'm going to try this, but I know I'm not going to get anywhere unless I give people that chance to see where I'm coming from and to ask them for help and to say that I need it is probably the hardest step. And well, and to find, I think finding the people is the hardest step actually. And yeah, I mean, like, I that's what I love starts... about your design camp is like, you're yeah. giving, you're making those introductions like, mm-hmm. and it, well, it took so much of that awkwardness out because yeah. like I, for instance, I met Jenny in a very relaxed setting. Like it wasn't like I just phoned her up or DM'd her and said, Hey, can you show me this? It was, it started off as a friendship and grew from there and then we just started you know talking to each other more and more about business and we established trust in a a relationship first but sometimes that's really hard when you have people and we met at like a network networking event it's actually I think it was like an ivy thing um but if you there's so many people that don't go or scared to go to networking things or scared to go to these kind of you know, and even now it's like, well, when is there going to be another event? Yeah. Right. So it's like, you have these people like that are scared to do that. And I feel like a lot of people that came to design camp are like, well, I just didn't know like who I could meet or how to talk to people. Or like, even when we do markets and we're talking about market coming up, it's like, I always get people DMing like, what events are you going to? Who are you meeting? Where are you meeting these people? It's like, you have to go to these events. You have to put yourself out there. Hi, my name is Lindsay. I have a design firm in Los Angeles. Where do you, do you are you a designer? Do you have a retail mm-hmm. store? Like you have to learn to talk to each other. So I think mm-hmm. that design camp kind of just like forced people to, but um, who maybe not necessarily would have done it on their own. Um, because we had people that were like so quiet and timid and like not really talking the first day. And then like by the second day, everyone's laughing and 
screaming and yelling and shouting to the rooftops like how much they love each other and it was just really it was really great so I think that um, if you are alone or you're solo and you're trying to build your tribe you just need to like engage in social media and start talking to people because that's how a lot of um, the relationships form I mean that's how this relationship formed. Like we, Sean, me and you just started talking to each other on Instagram. <laughs> Sean is the king of the slide. Yeah. He's the slide I, king. I, I mean, I just feel just like commenting and, uh, and genuine. Engaging. He's and it's genuine. And I really, of course. I have been following you for a a long time now. Probably as I'm looking back, it was early in in your company starting and not knowing it at the time that that was the case, but you know, around like 2016 and 2017 and watching that growth and watching you build momentum and like genuinely being really excited and remembering that it feel we're all in that place at some point. And I think that's what makes me excited when you had like your bigger projects and then you got in, you started working in um, your Brentwood project. And I was just like, I think we all come from that phase, but also I'm not... I'm so over feeling bad about asking for help or talking to people. I just feel yeah. like we have to get past this phase where we think that we're not worth someone else's thoughts or opinions or time. I mean, just this week, I, I sent a voice message on a DM to a designer on Instagram who executed a shower that I, I love, but it's with a tile vendor that I wasn't sure about. And I sent a voice memo on the Instagram message. And I really honestly feel like she probably would not have responded back to me if I had just typed up all these questions. It was so much easier to explain what I was trying to ask her about the tile installation over mm -hmm. a voice memo. I and she replied, too. It's really cool. she replied back immediately. She was like, here's my phone number, call me. And then we were on the phone and she, it's like, I don't know her. She's in a whole different <laughs> yeah. part of the state. I literally don't know her, but I think we, not and of course not everyone's going to be as open and as willing and or have and, the time to do that's that okay you know and yeah. that's someone okay will if you ask yeah. if Don't you take talk it to enough people yeah someone will we all yeah. have lives and families and kids and other work obligations like i can't live and none of us can live our whole lives online but if you keep putting in some time and energy then you will get some of that yeah. effort returned to you and people appreciate that you care about them and so that's why it can't just be what pain is that question mark it's like well we're not here to just give away the whole ball game like, right <laughs> yeah can we start off with a hi my name is blah yeah. blah blah hi I'm how are to, you <laughs> how are you i'm trying to you know pick a paint color blah 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 like i try i and that and that's the same that i am like with people you know yeah. that i've not reached out to um, but yeah, and you can't take it personally. I have, I have, uh, friends or I reach out to people too all the time and I don't get back answers. Um, and, uh, sometimes I do, and it is, it, you just, you just can't take it personally because it's just a personal choice. And I, I understand too now being, very invested in my business, a lot of money invested in my business. There are certain things that I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to share that because it took me hours and hours and hours and hours and a lot of money to get it to, to this point. Um, yeah. and, 
there is also more than that though. There is also, I am such a believer in learning through your mistakes and I would not be where I'm at today without those mistakes. Mm -hmm. So for instance, so many people will always say, where'd you get that? It's probably the number one thing I get, you know, where'd you get that? Um, Especially when it's through a designer, obviously anyone just, anyone that's just shopping like a normal consumer is going to ask that. And I just tell them, you know, we, we buy through our local trade vendors or maybe I can sell it to them or something like that. But if it is a designer and sometimes more than not, I, I share a lot of vendors, but at the same time, we spend thousands of dollars, like you guys know, going to markets, multiple markets a year. And there is something about going to market and finding those vendors that fit your style, your brand, um, we have a huge criteria of, of questions that we ask our vendors that that um, we we like to know that uh, it's kind of like our checklist, right? So there's certain things that we need to have in a vendor before we will work with that vendor. But that might be very different for you that lives in Texas or who lives on the East Coast. So yeah. a big thing for us is finding West Coast vendors. Where are you shipping mm-hmm. out of? But if you're on in New York or you're in Florida, you might not be wanting all these West Coast vendors. You know, you might want to try to find more East Coast vendors. And you'll have so a different experience like for like you'll have a different and damages experience. and yeah. Service. So like people with Noir, Noir right. local here to LA, we get a local delivery guy to come pick it up. I have heard horror stories about mm-hmm. damages and about it not lasting on the east coast i don't have that experience so i can't say oh you should you should go with noir because they're the greatest their ship is because it's not the case with everyone so that's why i don't like giving out just all that information because it's going to be a different experience with you and there is something about going there and seeing it for yourself and walking through those halls and going and mm-hmm. talking to your reps um that I just feel is very invaluable or very valuable for, uh, for a designer. And so sometimes, you know, if it was, if it's a, I also think that there's certain things that that should be that help make your brand or help make you as a designer. And those are the things you really shouldn't give out, you know, to, to anyone and everyone, and maybe just hold that tight to a few people, um, who are close to you or who have given a lot to you. But I do think that there is enough business to go around. Even in these crazy times, there is enough business to go around. There will be enough business. Um, and there, none of us are reinventing the wheel. Okay. So even when you see, you know, Oh, another designer doing an e-commerce store, right? So like we talked about like all these people, now everyone's doing e-design. Now everyone's doing an e-commerce store. Well, yeah, it doesn't mean that you can't. So, so many people, <coughs> sorry, so many people will be like, like at design camp, like, well, is there room for another, you know, Studio McGee? Well, yeah, there is because Studio McGee is good at what she does. Like she, and she does have a big place in the marketplace, but there are a lot of people who don't know about Studio McGee and there's a lot of people that like your aesthetic and what you bring to the table. And you just have to do a little bit more, find your unique proposition, right? What, what yeah. makes you unique? What makes you different? Even if you're selling similar items, how are you styling it differently? How are you photographing it differently? How are you talking about it differently? Um, I just feel like 
no one is doing anything that is like so crazy off the wall of like, oh my gosh, she's the only one that has done that tile in the shower. Like, come on, you know? Yeah. So it's someone <laughs> else has, vendors, you may not have seen it, but well, yeah. the tile vendors don't want to be the only sell to one designer. Like they're hey. the same tile has to go to a bunch of people. Right. I think that's like so, giving the resources, but not giving the answer <laughs> is something that when like I had my like educational time when I worked in training in my corporate environment before was you can't just give people all the answers because then they don't actually learn it. They don't, they don't get their own experience with it. So it's like, yeah, I'm not going to give away my contract, but if you're right. in my area, I can refer you to my attorney. They could talk right. to you or I'm not going to tell you where I got all of these sources, but I will tell you, I spent a lot of time at Vegas market and you should definitely go. It's like, that's where the resources mm -hmm. are is yeah. I'm not going to just give everything away, but I could, I could guide you to the right place. Like, right. Exactly. And it's one of those things too, where it's even with um, like consumers, right? So I have, I have someone who is DMing me saying, Oh, we're, we're using your Oaks Hills kitchen as a inspiration. I'm like, I love that. Send me pictures when it's done. I want to see but then they're asking, you know, where'd you get that tile? So I told them, I didn't tell them the exact tile. I told them we got it at tile bar, you know, and yeah. we, we, you know, I sent them a link to the bar stools and, um, that's very you know, generous. But then, but then, but then <laughs> Give it was like, well, what, what, what grout color did you use? What paint color is that? What, oh. what flooring was that? And it's like, I can't give you that information. My clients paid me thousands of dollars for my yes. resources. And I can't just give that to you. If you want to use it as inspiration, I will tell you that I got the tile at Tile Bar. I will give you the link to these bar stools. But other than that, like it, you can use all the photos you want to take to a place and say, I want something that looks like this, but I can't yeah. give you the exact pieces of information that, yeah. that clients have paid for. You know, it's just not right. And that's um, really the value out of the designer is they could, hire you and pay you and mm -hmm. you could match or come up with an idea that's varied based off that kitchen but otherwise mm -hmm. take it to the contractor and say i kind of want it to look like this and be okay with what you get <laughs> well and that's yeah like exactly being, i mean you were very generous with your time already like how many questions are you going to answer for free right right taking so your time away from other things it's that it's that balance with with wanting to give information out to designers. And that's why we came up with Design Camp too. We were like, you know what? There's designers really need what we have found. Like I didn't go to interior design school. And even when I was at design school for fashion, there's no courses on business. There's no, no. you know, everyone runs their business differently. And we just felt that, you know, we were doing something right in our firm. Obviously, um, Anastasia knows a ton of information about marketing and branding and, and all of that. And we just felt like, you know what, there's not a place where, some, where people can come together, grab that information and learn from peers who are in it with them. Not someone who's been doing it for 25 years. And, you know, I mean, there is definitely something to say for, pe for veterans who like have paved the way and who Absolutely. have been in business for years and years and years. But I also think that it's really nice to learn with someone who is maybe just a couple years ahead of you because it's still very fresh in my mind how I was doing business two years ago, yeah. you know, because someone still who's just starting, it's still relevant. And someone who's just starting is not necessarily going to be 
doing the things that I'm doing right now in my business, you know, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that they can take from that and, and implement that. And so that's why design camp was so important for us because we just felt like one, we're going to help them with information. We're going to let them know kind of what we're doing. I give out so much information in design camp. I mean, literally like we go through my processes and uh, we talk about everything from systems to Instagram to like how to do a story slide, you know, like all of these little things. And then you walk away with this group too. So I think it's just, um, you know, and within them, those people can decide what they want to share and what they don't want to share. Right. And as they yeah. grow, they can decide what they want to share and what they don't want to share. I don't think anything is like right or wrong. It's what, um, but, but for me, my philosophy is that it's going to help me. It's going to make better business people. And we need that. We need strong, very smart business people who are also creatives. Well, the more the industry is respected by consumers mm -hmm. and the world, then you yeah. know, all boats will rise. Like, yeah. I think it right. helps elevate. Right. And that's why I always say, like, don't be working for free. Stop working for free because you're yeah. just doing the industry a disservice. Yeah. Stop doing consultations for free. Stop doing work for free because you, it's one, it's not an even playing field, but two, like you need to, you're showing people that this industry doesn't care about their time or they, they can get taken advantage of. Um, and it's just not the case. It shouldn't be the case. Yeah. You know? There's so. more projects I say no to than I say yes to. Oh yeah. And I feel like my sanity and my attention is so much better as a result of that, that I have less resentment. I have less anxiety. I create better work. I have better relationships with clients because I'm being mm -hmm. very selective, which if you're just starting out, sounds totally counterintuitive that you're thinking just say yes to everything. But it is so important to watch those signs of like, this isn't going to be right. They're already not willing to pay me just to show up to their house. And if I give that away for free, just implies that everything else should right. be free. It's, or, right. Like, so you don't have to, when you're just starting out, I say like, you don't have to work for free. Do your consultation for $50. I'm not telling you to charge $500. Get something for it. Yeah. But get something for your time. So it's one of those things when, when, when you're just starting out, yes, I am a true believer. You should say yes to everything. I said yes to everything because that is your way of figuring out what you like doing. Do you like doing those one rooms? Yeah. Do you like doing full houses? Do you like doing remodels? Do you like doing furnishing jobs? You, it's, it's one, it's going to be good to build your portfolio and get that experience, but it's also really going to show you what you really like doing. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you have to charge correctly. It doesn't mean you have to charge a huge amount. You can start off with charging half of what you charge for your consultation. Um, you know, I definitely think that you, you know, depending on where you are, but even I think anywhere you shouldn't be charging, you know, $50 an hour. I think you should be at least $100 an hour for your time. Um, and, uh, you know, you can try flat fee, you can try hourly, you can try whatever it is, but you definitely need to be charging for your time. Um, yeah. And I think that a lot of people in the very beginning just want to get they want to get that experience. They want to build their portfolio. They, um, and I did plenty of work for free for friends and for family who helped build my portfolio, but it wasn't years. It was one or two projects that was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. 
for you. You're um, not doing their full home remodel. No, like that. no. Exactly. Drags on no. forever. Right. Yeah. It's like, I will do this because I happen to be here hanging out with you and our kids, you know? So yeah. I, when I'm over here, I will do this. I will help you. I will pick out things. Um, but this was very, 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 very early on when I decided to make the change from hobby to business. That was when I stopped doing free work. Um, and, and listen, there are times now where I will do some small things for clients, but it's because those clients have earned my time. So yeah. if I'm going to, you know, do a little bit more research because we, we haven't been able to find the perfect piece of art, but they have been amazing with everything else, you know, and, and I know that it was because I didn't really listen to them the first time or whatever it is. I'm probably going to say, Hey, I'm going to like give you these one or two hours free of charge to find the perfect piece. Um, and those are case by case scenarios and it doesn't happen often, but that is when I feel like it's okay because those clients have given us so much. They've earned that from me. Yeah. And you're um, also you giving communicating. A back. You're and also communicating, communicating it so they know that you're still valuing your time, your own, you value your time, but you're letting them know I'm going to discount or not charge. Yeah, exactly. I think people appreciate knowing that there's flexibility in what we do, that it really is about like, okay, I was way off base on that recommendation. I missed the signs going back. I know you said that. I think that level of honesty and transparency is really valuable to people because they don't, they don't want to feel like they've got pushed into something mm -hmm. and then kind of get left behind. Like, well, I guess that's just what we got. And then they're secretly dissatisfied about it. It's easier to right. just call it out and make sure it's on the table of like, I missed that. Totally my bad. Let's own it. I'm going to spend another hour or yeah, so finding we the best own, thing. Like, we own all of our mistakes here. I mean, we are not perfect. And that's the, the other thing it, is yeah. that I always try to tell our clients just because you're paying for a, a lot for the service does not mean that we are perfect at every aspect yeah. of it. There are human <laughs> hands touching things, building things. Things are bound to, you know, we always tell people things will come in damaged. Things will come in broken. Things will come in wrong but we have a process of how to fix that very efficiently and yeah. we will handle that for you. And for us, we always go back to the client experience. We want our client experience. And that's one of the first things I say is that I want you to have a beautiful home. Obviously that's our number one goal, right? Is for you to be super happy with your new beautiful home. But I want you secondly to have the best experience working with us. I, I want this experience to not be stressful. I want it to be fun. I want it to be enjoyable for you. And it might not be those things all at once, all at the same time throughout the whole thing, you know, That's especially true. if we're <laughs> Every doing a new build or we're doing a remodel portion. But um, for the most part, I think that um, building that trust in the beginning is super important. And just letting them know, like, we are here for you. We're here to be your voice and we will own up to our mistakes. We have always owned up to our mistakes, whether that costs me a lot of money or not. But I also don't, I also don't um, like to be taken advantage of either. So it's, you know, having that mutual respect in the beginning. And I always say like, you know, we will do our part, but you also have to do your part too. Um, 
So it, it's, it's um, owning both ends of it, right? So the client has to own up to their end too. If they didn't tell us something or if um, they, you know, wanted to change something and then didn't let us know, well, you know, that's not our fault. Um, yeah. How would we know if you don't tell us? Right. Right. We can't read there your always mind. has to be open communication. And then we, and I tell my clients all the time, we are going to have awkward conversations. We are going to talk about money a lot. We are going to be talking about budget and time frame. And I'm going to, you know, we're, we're each going to challenge ourselves in those areas, but that is what makes the project successful. Um, we're going to have to get over ourselves, you know, when we talk about that, those kind of things, our egos or, or whatever it may be. And those usually the hardest conversations are about money, right? About budget. Mm -hmm. um, they won't, they say, well, we didn't, we didn't really tell you, know, tell you we didn't have enough for that. But it's like, well, I mean, I don't know what's in your bank account, yeah. you know? And, you know, we set a budget and we're working within that budget. If that budget changes, you got to let us know. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. The whole project adapts around that conversation. Yeah. And I, I think what's really cool about what you're saying is that it's, it's sort of the preemptive strike for all of those conversations. Things will get broken, things will be delayed, the quantity might be wrong, it may be the wrong item that shows up, or maybe we ordered the wrong one, or money's gonna be mm -hmm. awkward, you're gonna hate living through construction after a couple weeks, and you're gonna be frustrated. It's just throw, putting it all out there, and then that way when the real conversations have to get a little heavier, you have something to refer back to, and then they go, I know you're right, you did say that, we're going to get through it. And it's just that reassurance of oh, you did warn us, you're trying to guide us, you're trying to give us an outline of what to expect. And I think that can be reassuring to clients of knowing, okay, she's been through this. She knows what's happening. Yeah, I really like what you're saying. I'm kind of having this like aha moment of it's not about... Um, I mean, it is about the results, but the real value of hiring a designer is about the ability to correct problems. So it's kind of like you're going into a complicated surgery. No one's mad at the surgeon because something went wrong in the middle of the surgery. They're relieved when they fixed it. Like mm -hmm. all of the emphasis and focus goes on their ability to solve the problem. And that's yeah. all that you care about. And that's how it should be. Like, yeah, and that's where We're not having to do processes it. become a huge play into this. So we have a client right now who has had worked with other designers and, you know, didn't get a result that they liked and didn't like the time that they had with that designer because of the lack of processes and the lack of fixing things. And they just felt like they weren't being heard. And I have actually heard that so many times from people um, yeah. And that's why it's super important for me to have Monday mentors and to talk about these things, because if you want to be able to charge what you want to charge, you also have to have a level of, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the level of services to provide to your client that kind of meet up with that rate that you're charging them. So mm -hmm. if I'm charging... Yeah you know, a couple hundred dollars per hour or whatever, and they're not feeling supported, they're not feeling heard, they're not feeling um, that we're taking care of things, they're having to follow up a lot on things, they haven't heard from us, 
they're, they're going, wow, what a waste of my money. I can't believe I'm spending this much, you know? So you want to have, like, I, I, I always talk about, so this is, this is so random, but my husband and I went, um, it was probably two years ago now for our anniversary. Um, we decided to, this is when our kids were like, not like hating being away from us. Right. Like our Mm -hmm. oldest was like four, you know, that it's just like a hard stage. So we couldn't like travel for a week. We knew that. So we're like, let's just go to, um, the Bacara resort in Santa Barbara, which is a Ritz Carlton, um, property. And I'm like, let's just stay, you know, it was like, you you had to stay a minimum of two nights. We're like, let's just stay two nights. I'm going to use, you know, we'll use my points. We'll, we'll stay, we'll have a nice little, like an hour away. And it was the best experience of my life. Like the level of service that you get staying at a Ritz Carlton yes. is way different from staying at a freaking Hyatt. And I love Hyatt's, but it was like night. I mean, I've never been serviced that way before with like every single person who works there, the restaurant, like we didn't leave the property because we were so impressed with it. And I walked yeah. away going, I much rather have only two nights at a place like that rather than a week at a place that I'm not getting, like, I'd rather be so pampered like that. Like I just felt so amazing. And I kind of walked away going, I want that kind of experience for my clients. I want them to be like, yeah, our, our house is beautiful, but oh my gosh, working with Lindsay was so fun. She got to know us. We're, we're close friends with her. I know their kids, like it's an intimate space and they're spending, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at least our clients are spending a time of money we have big projects so um it's a lot of money but even with people who are spending ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars that's a lot of money to someone that's a lot of money to me yeah to to spend on a room um so you have to treat that as as you know just the best level of service that you can give to someone and that is having them trust you gaining that trust and you know, we always like to be the first one to contact our client rather than them contact us. Um, and having those processes really help you um, be able to give that level of service to someone to where they're not even batting an eye at the price anymore. They're just so happy with your results and with the experience that now they're going to just shout it to the rooftops to all their friends because they want their friends to be able to experience that. So you have to think back on your life on like all the things that you remember, like the greatest times, what are they? Are they experiences or are they things? And usually they're experiences mm-hmm. and hand in hand, they can go with things. You know, we're obviously a, an industry based on material thing, <laughs> items <laughs> um, that we want people to have. But at that, at this point, it doesn't really matter what you put into their home. They're just so happy with the way that they've been able to work with you. So that's been just, um, when we go back to mission statements, it's probably like, I'm trying to figure out a way to put all the feelings that I have about that into words. Mm. Yeah. That's it's a, That sticks out like experiences versus things. Working with a designer is about the experience and it's about, it is about getting those messages from families when they're enjoying being in a space and they're not going, 
oh my God, this blue really was the best blue color that you picked for mm -hmm. our cabinets. It's talking about when we had people over for the holidays or when my you know, kid graduated mm -hmm. from school and people were over barbecuing and it was just amazing to watch the house come to life in this space. And yeah. that's, that's what they're thinking about. That's the mm -hmm. lifestyle portion, which I think get overused a little bit in design is like mm -hmm. overselling lifestyle, but it really is about the experience that you have in those environments. Well, and like most people who have been through a renovation <laughs> would say it's one of the most stressful experiences of their lives, especially yeah. if they're Guaranteed. managing trades themselves. And if, they've, mm -hmm. if you've ever done that, you know how stressful it is. So mm -hmm. to have the opposite um, experience will be <laughs> night and day. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's like that when you start outsourcing things for your own business too, right? So like the experience I have now around social media and marketing is, is super positive rather than when I was doing it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where it was like, so feel that. such a chore and I hated it. Um, it's now a great experience. So it's I'm kind of right at that you know, point right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I'm like, right. Getting to that zone where I'm like, this isn't as much fun anymore. And I, I, I don't think it's Instagram sometimes. I, I'm pretty sure it's mostly me now. And so that's where I'm like, they're not doing anything wrong. And then I have also some amazing days where I go, oh, I really got to talk with someone and that was really great. And I saw something mm -hmm. cool. Um, but there, yeah, you do get in those slumps. And Are you still managing your yeah. stories? Like um, engagement? So I manage, so I'm very very much involved still. And Anastasia's process, I don't know how it is with uh, her other clients, but the way her process and the way that she has things set up is very collaborative. And, but that was always for me, super, super important to um, always have, um, make sure that it sounds like me and that we're talking about things that I want to talk about. So um, Anastasia and I are, are always on the same page with that. Um, what she does is she will basically send out two to three weeks of content um, where I look through it. She, they're put, they're um, curating all the images. Um, if there is something um, that is going on, so like when this, when this uh, podcast has an air date, I'll tell her, hey, we need to start talking about this. Um, if we're in a publication, say we're going to be in this publication. So there's a lot of communication that goes on back and forth from her. So she's not just like putting this out there and I have no idea what's going up. I know exactly what's going up when it's going up. Um, there will be times where I change, you know, the caption altogether. If I have something really heavy on my heart that I want to talk to uh, or talk about, um, I'll change the caption or I'll tweak the caption or she'll leave me comments. So she'll maybe stop, she'll start it and then it will be, you know, Lindsay inserts comments here. So then I kind of finish it. Cool. Um, she, for stories, if it is um, like a publication or something that needs to be more branded, she will create those or I'll have my graphic designer create those. Um, and then other than that, it's just me. So the st stories is a really a great area where you can do a lot of behind the scenes. I can just have my camera. I'm talking to you guys. Those aren't pre-meditated, edited, or anything like that. They're, you know, other than maybe Monday mentors that are scheduled, um, nothing is ever really scheduled like that. So it's kind of like this free space to be able to use when you have something really great going on in the moment, or you want to talk about something that sucks at the moment, or whatever it is. 
Um, our feed, we really try to keep branded and professional and, um, you know, not everyone feels the same way with that, but I just feel really strongly that I want to keep it really professional there. Um, more of our portfolio. So you won't see really any pictures of my family on there. Maybe once in a blue moon, I'll throw one up. Um, you won't see pictures that aren't professionally shot um, on there. Unless, it's all your own work. Um, it's all my own work. Yeah. Um, I will sometimes share other people's works, but I really like to just keep it our portfolio just mm -hmm. because I also don't want to, I feel like sometimes when it's an Instagram account, that's only other people's works, it's like more someone else's work than it is your work. You're mm -hmm. sending out a wrong message. Like people, because there are so many people that don't read comments and so many people that right. don't you know, you might have a huge comment and then at the very end, it's like designed by, you know, Lindsay Book Design and they're thinking that they're designing it. So I do, I don't feel, and that's just my personal thing. I just don't feel right about having a ton of other people's works. I'll share it on stories and I'll share it every once in a while on our feed. But for the most time, um, most part, we just keep that to be um, our own, our own portfolio. It's definitely the harder way. One thing I was thinking when we were starting this podcast, I'm so excited to have like interviews like you, cause we can share like, it's like, Oh, I could have an excuse to share someone else's work and yeah. not have to try to dig deep for content. But I, I also love and sharing. Make so I also think it's great to share other people's works. I love it when people share our work and I also love sharing people's work. So we'll share you know, a ton of things on stories and we'll talk about other people. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I definitely think that there's a way to do it without it coming across that it's it, disingenuine, you know, it's not yeah. like it's coming from a good place. Um, and you're using your platform to give other people visibility that they probably mm -hmm. wouldn't ever get. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's super important. I mean, that's helped, that's helped us gain, um, you know, traction on Instagram and, um, I think that, you know, we, I started my Instagram before the algorithm and all of that. So it was so different now. I mean, it definitely is a lot harder to see your numbers go up fast, right. but, and I think so many people focus on that where it's like, uh, you need to focus on the quality of people and who you're engaging with. And, um, if you have 500 followers, you can still get one really great client out of that. Um, Definitely. So I don't think people need to like harp so much on the numbers and yeah. just keep the, at it. It's a, it's about consistency with, with Instagram is what I think. The number is not the important part. It, no. It's, it's the clients coming to you and talking to you. And I mean, the, the number it, we've, we've been given this sense that, Oh, the more, if I get to 10,000, if I get to the 15, 20, and I'm at that point, then that just means more is coming my way. But nearly every designer who who talks about that is saying that's not the case that's not how it's working for me like i'm not getting yeah. i'm not getting for every new 1000 followers I, that doesn't mean it's equaling a new project or a new this it's just right. it's not right. a one for one type of type of game right and you're and listen there are definitely opportunities come when you when you get to higher numbers as far as collaborations and, yes. um, you know, paid collaborations or things like that and, and visibility, of course, but 
it shouldn't, you should not be harping on, I just have to get this number. I just have to get this number because I don't feel that way. Um, and I, I don't feel like you should be doing, you know, any sort of follow, unfollow, Gosh, yeah. um, any sort of tactic like that to, to get followers. We don't buy followers. All of our followers are organic. Um, and we engage with them. I even hate saying the word followers because it's not they're it's, people. It's, they're people. You know, so <laughs> I, I like engaging with them. I try to answer as many DMS as I, as I can. And I try to talk to people. I try to have those conversations for the most part. It is me commenting on, um, on my feed, I, Anastasia does engage with um, on our feed on other people's posts. So sometimes it's usually random, randoms that I'm like, oh, I made a comment on that person, but <laughs> I see it, and it's not that I don't believe it. So it's it's just someone that is an extension of me um, doing that for me now. So it's and and her and I are just so on the same page with everything so um when it comes she knows my business so well so i just feel like at this point um you know whatever she's doing uh, is working for us thank you so much we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us thank you so much Lindsay. you're welcome rebecca thank you you guys are awesome Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. all the secrets if yeah. there's something you'd rather keep under the cuff um or under your collar is it off off the cuff and under their collar uh, right i don't know the phrase under your, off hat. The anyway. cuff. <laughs> under your hat yeah off the cuff is like freehand remark yeah i feel like there's a collar reference for some of, i've never heard a collar reference oh, okay i'm making it up that's what we do okay okay under it's your collar like, it's a thing um yeah, yeah under your hat have it right there or whatever it is yeah, yeah i don't I know think what under I'm... your hat seems yes like i feel like i've heard that yeah you could okay i'm with that okay <laughs>